Welcome to the Built on Purpose podcast, where on each episode, we interview exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, philosophers, and some straight up interesting people to explore their outlook on life, work, and leadership. And now, here's your host, CEO and co-founder of Scouts, Max Hansen. Welcome back to episode 83 of the Built on Purpose podcast brought to you by Scouts. I'm your host, Max Hansen, the CEO of Scouts, where we find purpose aligned and performance proven leaders. Speaking of, today our guest is Jill Ellsworth, founder and CEO at Willow Industries. Jill, welcome to the Built on Purpose podcast. Thanks, Max, for having me. Really excited to be here. Me too. It's been a few weeks since I've done a podcast. Actually, it's been probably about a month and a half. Uh, so I might be a little rusty, but thank God we have Jill because Jill is going to be amazing here. Uh, but just to get things rolling, Jill, let's, um, let's give our audience a brief overview of what you and your team are doing at Willow Industries. Absolutely. So here at Willow, we invented the first kill step for cannabis. And what that means is we invented technology using ozone gas to get rid of microbials mold, yeast, E. coli, salmonella, bacteria, aspergillus, to get rid of those types of pathogens on finished flour. And um, our patented technology is utilized in cultivations um, after cure dry trim, finished product goes into our system, treated with ozone, it comes out, it's ready to be packaged, it's ready to be sent for testing. Um, and most importantly, it is clean for consumers. Awesome. And that sounds good to me as a consumer. What does your current uh, footprint look like uh, currently? I think there's 22, 26 states. Is that right still? We are in 26 states and we're also in Australia. So we expanded into Australia in Q2 of this year. We also have had business in Puerto Rico and Canada. Um, so, you know, really trying to expand that international footprint. Got it. Got it. And tell me or explain to our audience how your product and technology, uh, Willow Pure works. Like what's the equipment like? What's the, you know, how does, how does it work? Definitely. All right. So the Willow Pure, what it does is it, it utilizes ozone gas and how it produces that is it comes from pure oxygen. So our big units, it looks like a big drum. So it kind of looks like, um, a big dryer, but it doesn't operate like a dryer. Um, you, it pulls in ambient oxygen. It concentrates that oxygen and then through an electrical charge, it converts the O2 into O3, which is ozone. And then ozone floods into the, the drum unit. And, um, during the treatment time, the cannabis is exposed to the ozone. And so what ozone does is it actually punches holes in the pathogenic cell wall. So if it's a mold spore, it breaks that down and essentially destroys it. So it's non-existent. Now, once the treatment time's over, it evacuates all the ozone and turns it right back into oxygen. But there's no off-gassing. It's essentially oxygen in and oxygen out. Love it. Sounds pretty simple. How difficult or easy, I should say, how easy is it to incorporate for your customers? It's super easy. Our our technology plugs into a standard outlet. Um, you can simply roll it into the building and get started. You know, we've made it so that it's Simple, stupid, right? You simply put your cannabis in the drum, shut the lid, close the door. There's a lot of safety mechanisms to ensure that ozone isn't leaking out of the system. And then you literally just press start. And on the back end, we really help you determine treatment times. We help you determine, you know, what's happening in terms of contamination. How long should you run it? And we have a whole microbiology team that really gives you that science. 
um, and, and support around, you know, the clean cultivation, but also utilizing the willow. Awesome. And then who do you guys consider your competitors? I don't know if I've heard of somebody with this exact technology, uh, but I'm sure there might be somebody that's using something that's doing the same process or ending up with the same result or not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, what we see in cannabis is other cultivations. If they're not using willow, they're using irradiation. So irradiation is a source that really comes from the blood industry. And so those that type of technology is being used in cannabis as well. Got it. Got it. And as you're talking about ozone, I won't go down this path because this is a but uh, I have used ozone, uh, just gotten shots of ozone. Oh, I love that. I'm so proud of you. You have? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's only legal in Arizona, which that's where I'm at in Colorado. But I've got a doctor here that is pretty outside the box. And um, during COVID, that's when I was getting the treatments. And it uh, pretty much kept my body clean and, and uh, I didn't get sick. Uh, so knock on wood. But Anyway, I won't go down that path, but as you're starting to talk about it, I'm like, oh my God, it's the same, you know, ozone. Ah. I think he told me in, I think Japan, like some of their buildings to keep, uh, to keep COVID like from spreading in their buildings, they would actually, they'd push ozone into some of their buildings and things like that. But, um, anyway, so obviously it works. It, uh, gets rid of the things that we don't want. And, um, obviously it's effective in cannabis. So, but tell what I, what I was really, uh, interested in in our first conversation. I loved how you articulated yourself. I love the energy you bring. Tell us how big the mold problem is in cannabis. I think it's one of those things that not a lot of people talk about and not a lot of people even know it's an issue. So, you know, talk about what percentage of flour maybe has mold contamination in your opinion um, and what a, what a problem it is. It's a really big problem, Max, to your point, but no one talks about it. And essentially, it's like the dirty secret of the industry. I, I mean, I think most cultivators um, don't like to mention that they use decontamination technology or that cannabis has mold. But let's be honest, all cannabis has mold, period, end of story. I mean, the type the plant is a bioaccumulator. It has all that sticky resin on it. I mean, that attracts all types of spores. And so, I, you know, I think it's been really hard, honestly to um, advocate for this type of technology for the kill step because no one wants to be honest and no one wants to talk about it. But it's just it's just the reality of growing cannabis. So, I mean, if we're talking about percentages, I would say at some point, 100% of cannabis has mold, but it's whether or not it's super contaminated, um, like how much mold is on the product. And, you know, what we're starting to see is that it's really, really hard to grow clean. It's really, really hard to grow clean at scale and how this industry is evolving. I mean, we're trying to mimic and evolve like the food and beverage industry. And in those industries, they require a kill step. They require that last step in the process to ensure that consumer good is safe for consumption. And that's what we need to be doing in cannabis. And so, I mean, you know, Everyone uses this, uses a type of technology, whether it's us or radiation or radio frequency. Um, it's being used, but no one's, no one's out there saying like, this is what we're doing for consumers. Although I do hope, I do hope it changes soon. Got it. You believe, uh, just because you're the expert in this area, but the reason why companies don't talk about it is just they don't want to, they don't want to bring it. Uh, up as an issue because they they don't want to scare off consumers or what what is what do you think the the driving force is behind it all? 
I believe the driving force is that consumers aren't educated yet. Consumers don't know that all cannabis has mold. And so if they, if they think about it that way, it's, it's kind of a scary concept. Oh my God, I didn't know weed was dirty or I didn't know weed had contamination. And then you start going down the rabbit hole of like, well, what's being done to protect me? So I do think there needs to be consumer marketing campaigns around, you know, here, here's the risks associated with it. And here's what we do to make sure that you're protected. Now, there are safeguards in the industry. I mean, every state requires testing, um, whether they're requiring full panel testing or just a few different types of um, pathogenic testing. Every state does. So there's definitely safeguards already in place. But yeah, there needs to be a lot more consumer education. Got it. And as there becomes more consumer education and they raise the bar a little bit, obviously, I, I would expect businesses going to pick up drastically for you. Has that started to happen uh, more or less in the last, I call it, year? More. Definitely more. Um, I mean, we, we're bringing on new clients almost every day. Um, but again, it's, it's starting to spread the word of like, this isn't a bad thing. This is actually a really great thing that you're doing to protect your con- um, consumers. That's awesome. And if they put it, and I'm sorry, I don't know this. So we're all learning together here. But if a company is using uh, your product uh, to clean their flower, is there like a, a stamp or certification that they put on their packaging? That's a really great question and something I've I've envisioned from the very beginning, <laughs> kind of romanticized. I mean, I we did develop a, a sticker, a label for a product that's gone through our system called Willow Pure Assured. Very similar. And I, I like to equate this to hopefully one day it will be similar to non-GMO and organic and gluten-free. I mean, you as a consumer, you're going to the store, you're looking for specific products. At some point, I hope you go to the dispensary and look for Willow Pure Assured. But again, I think we're so early and the consumer education is not there. So um, I believe at some point cultivators will adopt that. Um, but we're, but again, we're just not there yet. No, thank you for sharing. And then just, just to give me a gauge on a scale of one to 10, 10 being, uh, one being not safe, 10 being extremely safe. Where is the cannabis industry today as a whole on consumer safety? That's a really good question. <laughs> we don't put you on the spot, but I'm huh. trying to wrap my head around like I mean, where we're at know, I'd say we're kind of smack dab in the middle. Okay. Be around four or five. Got that it. being because there are testing. There are testing regulations. But again, we come from the black market. This industry comes from the black market where there wasn't rules and there wasn't regulations. And so I think it's been it's been a bit of a push and pull of like getting cultivators, especially legacy, to understand like this is really important to adhere to and implement as you grow and as we become a legitimate industry. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're dealing with mother nature. So obviously environments can change, you know, all these things can change so rapidly and and things can contaminate and change so quickly that uh, I can only imagine. Speaking of like you started to get into what role uh, is technology playing uh, today in the process to cultivate safe and clean products? And where do you think it'll be in five years? I know this is big questions, but I think you're, you're the best person to ask them. Well, the role to, to produce safe and clean products, uh, I mean, it's on the low end right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still think there needs to be a lot of innovation within the supply chain, within the cultivation production cycle to streamline it, to make it more of a safe environment. You know, as the industry moves towards CGMP, I think we'll see 
very different operating um, operators and operating procedures. But in five years, oh, wow, I, I really hope that the industry has fully moved to CGMP, that kill steps are required, just like they are in food and beverage. And that, you know, we're, we're moving really far away from where we started, which was black market, which was legacy, which was illicit. And like, we're becoming a legitimate industry with very clear safeguards around this type of consumable product. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know this is probably an obvious thing, but just for the people that might not get this and, and I hadn't really recognize the term till I was reading uh, your stuff when we first met, I don't know, a few months ago, but describe the term kill step. It sounds like most processes that are consumed or medical, they go through a step where it's a final kind of sanitation where it's going to kill anything that um, any mold or anything that living that shouldn't be in there gets killed. Exactly. So I used to, before I started Willow, I owned a cold pressed juice company. And, you know, there's like a huge market for raw cold pressed juices. But if you want to get said juices in a grocery store or have greater distribution, you need to ensure and show the process that it went through a kill step. And so that process to ensure that there's no pathogenic contamination remaining in that product, that you've extended the shelf life, and that if you went into the grocery store, Max, and you grabbed a juice of mine off the shelf, that you would feel safe drinking it. There wouldn't be E. coli and salmonella. And so with my juices, we use a process called high pressure pasteurization. And what that does is um, the pressure actually destroys the spores, if there were spores in this product, and increases the shelf life. So all consumable goods that you see in the grocery store go through some sort of kill step. Like milk is heat pasteurized, fruits and vegetables go through a chemical wash typically, um, a heat's just a really standard method. Um, but then uh, pressure and ozone, definitely ozone's used on fruits and vegetables, um, is another way to ensure the product's clean and safe. Got it. Got it. And we're, we're talking about in first world countries, this always happens. Maybe not in uh, places that don't have this type of uh, these sophisticated processes or more sophisticated processes. Let's jump into um, how would you describe, I thought this was super interesting when we talked, but how would you describe the culture uh, that you and your team have created at Willow Industries? Well, first of all, I have to say we have an amazing team here and we've all worked very hard to develop a really strong unit. Um, I mean, we're striving to make a big change in the industry. We're striving to impact this industry 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now. Like we want to have an influence in how this um, industry grows and evolves um, and also like be the champion for consumer safety. So we have a very clear mission. And when you're aligned in your mission, um, I be I believe that begets a really strong, empowered, excited, um, motivated team. And that's definitely what we are here. I love it. I love it. And by the way, you are clear, concise, and compelling with your answers, which makes this an incredible conversation. I love oh, people that are a little that are long winded as well. But like you are super clear, concise, and compelling. You just say enough like to get a question answered. So I, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but I, you also like a couple things that you mentioned in, in our prior conversation is, and I loved this, by the way, you said, uh, uh, I think you guys focus on health and happiness, right? Is that the kind of the, like your, maybe it's your kind of what you, how you personally see what you're trying to do. Uh, what do you do to specifically do this? 
Well, great question. And that is something I definitely focus on for myself, but also my team. Um, we do, we, my team works 100% from our offices. So I've wanted to ensure that like this was a place that they wanted to come every day. Um, one, we allow dogs. So I think that's fun. Like having dogs at the office is always enjoyable. Um, we, you know, we have a really great health policy, health insurance plan. We pay 100% of the health insurance for our employees. We offer um, a lot of PTO and sick time. Um, they get stock options. We we provide opportunities for them for extended learning. So if they want to take classes in and out of cannabis, we support that and pay for that. And, you know, we, we spend a lot of time together um, because, again, like if I have a happy team, I'm ultimately going to have really happy customers. Um, and so we do a lot of team building and focusing on like, you know, the strengths of the company, but how can we highlight all of that? So, and, you know, the executives here, including myself, have an open door policy. So if you need to talk to me, come in, like I'm here. Oh man, I love it. I love it. And I love how you're passionate about not being a remote culture. I mean, I think it with what it is you guys do, it's very hands-on and, you know, in, in some cases, I think. There's some companies that are better off not being remote, and uh, you obviously know that yours is one of those, and and uh, totally respect that. Um, and also, you know, the one other thing that I read uh, was you guys were ranked 205th on the Inc. 5000 list for 2021. What did this mean for you and your team? I'm sure you were very proud, but was there any significance to to that uh, to that that achievement? Oh my gosh, it was so amazing. I actually thought when we saw the number, I was like, I don't know, what is that? Uh, what, 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 what is that number? And then we realized it was our actual number on the ranking because they do this kind of crazy um, unveil. And it was, it was a big wow because, you know, we have been grinding for the past six plus years. I mean, hardcore, hardcore hustling, hardcore grinding. I mean, my coworker, my co-founder and I, we come to the office every single day and we're in it. We're in the thick of it. And so to see that, to see where we landed among incredible companies, it was the sense of pride because Max, believe me, I wanted to quit this business so many times and I would wake up the next day and I'm like, eh, actually I could probably put in one more day. And then one more day became, I don't know, I'm not almost seven years. But then seeing that, you know, seeing that number just showed me, I was like, gosh, thank God I stuck with this. I love it. I love it. One more. One more is a good motto to have. I think Ed Milet just wrote a book uh, called One More. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that. I yeah, he's, I don't. I actually, uh, strangely enough, I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. Although that's we're recording one right now. But the, <laughs> one of them that I do listen to is Ed Milet. Um, when I first started listening, I'm like, this guy's kind of cheesy, but he kind of gets to it, and he has really good guests. So uh, anyway, he just wrote a book. He does a lot of motivational speaking. Good, 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 good dude. Let's go back in time a little bit. Like, uh, like, let's go back to figure out how you arrived. You start talking about, you know, how you got to the idea of today from your juice company, but I, I want to go back even further. How did you become so passionate about nutrition and health in the first place? I really think that started when, um, I was in middle school. I kind of latched on to exercise and eating healthy. And I, I would read every health magazine, Shape, and oh my God, I don't even remember half of them. But every magazine that was out there about health and wellness, I would read front to back all the time. And so I just developed this natural, innate passion for nutrition. 
And then I became a marathon runner. And so fueling my body for marathons was obviously incredibly important and really understanding the intricacies of nutrition, sports nutrition, uh, kind of spurred that passion. And then once I, once I was working in Hollywood after college and realizing my life was not headed in the direction I wanted, I was like, you know what? I need to go back to nutrition. And so I quit my job and that's what I went to become, um, went to get a master's in nutrition and become a dietitian. Got it. That was going to be my next question was, I'm like, it's very rare. It's incredibly impressive how consistent your experience is, um, you know, from when you got your master's in science and nutrition to like each job, how it kind of correlates to itself and to your degree. Um, and I have older kids that are now going off to college and they're trying, they're now trying to figure out what they're going to do. They have no idea what they're going to do at this point. Um, yeah. but I'm kind of looking at your, you know, when I look at, if you look at your profile, you get your master of science in nutrition and then, you know, right into being a manager of a, uh, as a dietitian, I believe, and then, you know, into your companies. But the one thing, the one leap that I saw that was a big leap that really stood out and maybe, you know, maybe it's just because I read resumes all the time, but, um, was the leap, um, was, uh, starting vibrant earth juices, the juice company. Like it looked like you're kind of, you know, employed, doing some stuff, doing some coaching, manager in a company, and then all of a sudden, boom, founder and CEO of Vibrant Earth Juices. Can you talk about like what that leap was like and how you were able to make that? Absolutely. And, you know, it really came from wanting to find a tool that I could use within my dietetic practice because, you know, you obviously work out and seem very um, in the know on nutrition. Um, but what I found going through my residency to become a dietitian was that if you were working with clients one on one, compliance was so low. It was like, here's a meal plan. Go home and I need you to eat these things and stop drinking soda and don't eat pizza and like, you know, drink a gallon of water a day. And then they come back a week later and they hadn't done anything. And so I was like, okay, I need to find a tool that I can use in these consultations that can either jumpstart a healthy plan or give them more tools, like a tangible tool they can take home with them to become successful in their health journey. And at that time, cold pressed juices were like just hitting the scene. And I've been juicing for years. I mean, I started that 25 years ago, 30 years ago. I don't know. Um, and I was like, oh, I should take my, my juice passion and turn this into a tool for my practice, which then turned into a, its own business in and of itself. Got it. Got it. And then you started that earlier, you were talking about it. Like, what was the process of learning about the FDA standards while you're uh, building Vibrant Juice that led you ultimately where, to, where you are today? Well, it, that came from wanting to scale my juice company. I mean, I had a store, I had a juice truck, but I was like, well, if I'm going to see, turn this into a national company, I need to get distribution. I need to understand what it takes to get products into grocery stores. So then I really started researching, okay, what are kill steps? How can I make this happen? What can I do? I was one of the first companies in Colorado to HPP, which is the pressure, um, my juice line. And so through that whole process and developing HACCP plans for the state uh, health department, like I learned a ton. And then I was able to, to kind of take that knowledge and turn it into a business for cannabis developing these standards for this industry. Got it. Got it. And I always ask the guests as I haven't asked you this. I can't believe I have forgotten. But when was the first time you used cannabis? 
Oh my gosh. I was, I was a senior in high school for sure. And I smoked weed for the first time, like almost close to right after, right before I graduated. And it was like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> and then I, then, you know, an occasion, I use her ever since. Yeah. 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 No, I, I love having these conversations because I think we, the more we have them, the less we, so it's uh, not stigmatized. Yeah, like, it's not stigmatized. It's okay to smoke weed. It's okay to be, you know, forthcoming about that. Oh, I tell people all the time. I mean, I'm even starting to talk to my uh, kids more about it, which was kind of a big leap. I bet. I bet. How was that? How did they receive that? It's good. I mean, they just know I'm wholehearted about it. I mean, I I don't I describe it you know similar to alcohol. I just said you know you got to kind of if, if there's you kind of pick your poison per se. I just think that uh, for me using cannabis and getting to my workouts in the morning and getting up and doing all the things that I need to do in order to feel productive as a human being, it works a little bit better for me. But you're gonna have to make your own mm -hmm. decisions and you know you got to make sure you don't drive cars and do stuff while you're impaired but you know for me it works better so i always just use kind of my experience with it and how i've used it which is kind of odd cuz then they think in their head they're like oh my god he's been smoking weed this whole entire time <laughs> like i can see their brains just like grinding away uh, so funny I'm that's sure. well well done though good for you yeah and and honestly i don't know if it's worked that well cuz they don't tell me they're smoking weed and i know that they are probably smoking weed uh, which I, you know, it's okay. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to get too intrusive in their life. They can kind of, they're getting old enough to live their lives how they want. But uh, how does all of your, and I'm super interested in this, um, you know, becoming healthier. I've, you know, I'm very into working out, just doing anything and everything I can to stay uh, feeling young and staying strong and hope that I live a long time so I can see my kids for a long time. Uh, but I'm curious with all your knowledge around nutrition, because mine was like, naturally gained. Like I didn't, I didn't go to school for nutrition, obviously. Um, you know, most of my work hasn't been in the nutrition field. We do at Y Scouts, it's a really high priority for us on, uh, wellness. Um, so health and uh, well-being are super important. We just signed up with a, um, an, a precision wellness program with a company in Australia called Shea Wellness. That's amazing. They actually do everything with uh, epigenetics so that oh, you, cool. it's from like you know, your body every month you measure yourself and it kind of tells you what foods to eat what not to eat when to work out when not you know those types of things when the best your body is best set up to sleep and it's been we're just kicking it off like i've been on it for a while so to give you an idea i've also done like ozone shots red light cold plunge um i have like a whole center in my backyard that i uh, that i'm pretty passionate about but how does your, my question is, how does your knowledge around nutrition and health affect how you live your life today? Like, what do you do differently on a day-to-day -day or with your family because of all this knowledge around uh, diet and nutrition? Well, I mean, the the health and nutrition and then all the other kind of obscure things I do, I, I think make me a better performer. They make me a better boss. They make me a better mom and wife and kind of all of the above. Um, I mean, of course, you know, I eat a really healthy, clean diet. I think one of the biggest things I've done in the past couple of years is cut back on drinking. And I mean, to be quite honest, I've been a huge drinker my whole life. I mean, it was just some, I mean, my, not my whole life. Okay. Let me couch that by saying like my adult life, <laughs> um, which I feel like is my whole life. Um, and in the past couple of years, I realized like how that just doesn't serve me anymore. 
but it's been kind of ingrained in me as like, this is what we do. And yeah, I drink all the time. And you know, this is just a regular occurrence. And then once I cut back and really like stopped for a while, I was like, oh, wow, I feel very different. My head feels like this. Um, and so that's, that's really, it made a big difference in my health journey. And I mean, I do a lot of the things that you do. I, I have a whole ozone system at home. I do ozone treatments. I put them in my ears and I do this ozone breathing treatment and I get the ozone shots just like you do. I actually got them yesterday. Um, and, and then I, I like, uh, pulse electromagnetic field therapy. I have a mat at home that has that with red light therapy. Um, obviously I love, you know, detoxing and, um, sitting in saunas exercise. I mean, I just, and, and sleep, I have an aura ring and I think that really helps kind of modulate, you know, where you are in terms of your sleep cycle and give you a little more insight into what that looks like. Um, so I definitely employ a ton of health practices in my life, but it makes me, um, it makes me a high performer at work. Oh, I agree. I agree for all those reasons. I think I'm more of a seasonal drinker. Like I kind of drink a little bit more in the summer when I go to Coeur d'Alene. Uh, yeah. But, and then I come back and, you know, it, it, for me, it, that works. I mean, everybody has their, um, but when I'm really like focused, uh, alcohol is not, uh, not the greatest thing. I might have a drink or two on the weekend. Um, yeah. But I, during the week in my normal weeks, I don't drink for all the same reasons you do. Um, I don't know many other people that like, I, I know ozone treatments, uh, people get ozone treatments. Um, I tell, I've told a couple of people that I get those ozone shots. They're like, they shoot it like right into your vein. I'm like, yeah, it actually makes you, uh, you have to like lay down cause it starts like attacking your lungs or whatever else, you know, it, it needs to go after and, and take care of. So it's a, a interesting experience. Um, and I'm glad somebody else is, uh, <laughs> is doing it as well. Cause a couple of people are like, are you sure that that's safe? Um, I know it's so obscure and it's really hard to explain. I feel like it's, I, I don't articulate the benefits of it well, but I mean, it's been a huge, huge asset in my life, especially for overall health. Yeah. 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 I agree. When, uh, you know, like I said earlier, when everybody was getting sick, I was doing ozone shots every other week. Same. Like, I was, oh, I was fine. Like I like cruised yes. right through it. Uh, and, uh, this guy that does it here under this doctor, um, he's, he really believes in it. So, uh, what else, like, what else do you, you know, because of your background, what other like personal habits or daily routines, um, have helped you become the great leader you are today? You've talked about some of them. Um, we've covered a lot, but just wonder if there's anything else that we could learn from you in order to lead healthier lives and, and ultimately perform better, I think is what we're all after. I, I really leaned into executive coaching and that was something that I started almost two and a half years ago now. Um, I've worked with the same coach. She's amazing. Her name's Mae Smalley. And, um, she, she really pushed me out of my comfort zone and I have grown tremendously since then. And sometimes, you know, that's not always, you know, having a private executive coach isn't available to everybody. So I, I feel like there's so many resources to continue to improve, you know, and to grow as a coach or, or as a leader to grow as, um, as uh, an executive to grow, you know, within your personal life. But I really, I really dug into that. Um, and it's completely changed who I am, who I am when I show up to work, um, how, you know, this kind of all blends together, but that I show up as my true self. 
And for a long time, I wasn't. Um, so I really had to break down and build up. And it's turned me into, really helped me turn into a wonderful, I feel like, a uh, listener, uh, more of an empath that I wasn't necessarily before. And um, I feel that he gets, you know, a really strong team, which we have. So that's something that I do uh, weekly now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I I have a coach twice a year. Uh, his name's Sheldon Harris. Um, he is with CEO International. If anybody's listening, he's, they're, they're a great coaching organization. Sheldon's booked for probably years. But me, me too. He pushes me out of my comfort zone. I also, um, at one point, I did a six-month stint with a coach, but it was more like a psychologist that was like... Oh, really? Okay. Oh, so he didn't have to like go under the same guidelines, but... Um, it was, uh, it was an interesting journey. It was like a emotional wholeness, like coaching. Oh, wow. That was, uh, that was interesting. Uh, his name's Andy Maurer. I'm connected with him. I still stay in contact, but that was, that was a pretty good experience. He's come in and talked to, he's done work with my entire YPL forum. Uh, really good guy, but for all the same reasons you're talking about, it's really helped, uh, I think helped me push me in the right direction. Um, what else do you do? Uh, do you still run? What do you do outside of work to keep your life balanced? I haven't been running as much anymore, but I I have a Peloton, so I use that. I do a bunch of different workouts, strength training. Um, I like to golf, although I'm not good. So I'm still working on that. And hopefully, you know, at some point in my life, I have more time to focus on that game. Um, and, you know, I, I really love to spend time with my daughter, who's five. And um, you know, go to the park with her. So I, one thing I definitely do at nights and on the weekends is I, I really try not to work. I really try to stay very engaged and focused in the moment because I spent too much time years ago focusing on work and stressing about things that made no difference in my life at, at the end. And I, th- I think about all the, the vacations that I've lost due to being worried about work or working during the vacations. And it's sad, like I'll never get that time back. So I just don't sacrifice that anymore. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's something that I think we all are working on. I'm working on that myself. I, I just, it's it, a balanced life. I want to perform at work. Yeah. But I, I too have a four-year-old daughter, so I know that. But I also have a bunch of older kids. And uh, I also play golf. I've been playing golf since I was, a, when, since I was seven. And uh I'm a member at two clubs and I still don't ever really play that much. <laughs> uh, so, th- so there's that, but I think it's, you know, since I had the four year old and uh, it's, you know, you're hanging out with a four year old golf's not as much in the cards, but I do try to play, I don't know, once or twice a month. Um, so I, yeah. I hear you on that. It's a, the great thing about golf and my 17 year old just got into it. He's been play, playing competitive basketball. And I always had a set of golf clubs for him uh, in case he wanted to play, and he finally took them. So I'm like, so oh I, wow, that's, yeah, that's what my dad and my grandpa always did for me. And and so golf in my family is kind of a big deal. Me and my brother compete playing golf. He played college football. I played some college baseball. Now we get to complete uh, compete playing golf with my nephew and my son. So it, my son kind of getting more into it is fun. He's uh, going hitting balls every day. So that's a, that's a good thing that we can continue to do for the rest of our life. Yeah, that, that's such a nice thing to do. And I've tried to teach my daughter, you know, to get her into to golf, take her in the golf cart. I'm like, this is so fun, right? Let's try to do this. Um, lots of work to do there to get her excited about it. 
<laughs> but Max, I wanted to go back to your point about balance. I really preach that here. It's having a balanced life. Work is not everything. Um, family is and friends and having time to yourself on the weekend is important. So I do put boundaries around this job. Um, one thing that we don't do is we really do not contact any of our employees on the weekends or at night unless, you know, something crazy happens and we have to. Um, otherwise, like that's your time. And uh, and I think that that gives them space to then come back to the office on Monday and feel energized instead of like, you know, your CEO bugging you on a Saturday afternoon when you're out with your friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I have come a long ways. I don't think I'm 100% completely there. Sometimes I send like an email that just says, hey, just remind me about this the next time. Like, yes, sometimes. yeah. But that, I do that too. <laughs> okay. Okay. I just want to make sure yeah. like you still do that because sometimes. No, definitely. Or like, don't look at this until Monday, but on Monday, let's talk about, you know. Yeah. 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 No, I, we, we think the same things. I and mean, when we have survived uh, 10 years in business at Y Scouts, I ran some company. Congrats. And uh, we have never had a PTO policy. I know that sounds crazy. I mean, and everybody's like, well, if you don't have one, that means you, like there, there probably is one of some sorts. But we, we kind of don't monitor. You take off what you need to take off. If somebody says, hey, what's the guidelines? We say, hey, in your first year, just be reasonable. You know, your second year, you can take a little bit more. And uh, we really haven't had any challenges with it at all. I mean, obviously, it attracts people. People take time off. In fact, when we were in the office, we used to have a monitor up uh, that was labeled work that matters from anywhere. And we used to embrace that we could do our work from anywhere, a little bit different than, you know, how you guys embrace your work from the office. But we were already kind of spread out throughout the country. And so we had p- people take pictures of them working in the craziest places. And that's the way. Oh, we I love that. Monitor. And it was up actually in like where people would come in and sit. So people would sit waiting to meet with us, hopefully for not long. And that's what they had watched are these pictures from like all over the world of us with our computers open doing work that matters from anywhere. So uh, I think that's awesome. It's a couple other things just because we're in the hiring world. Just I want to ask you as an expert in uh, in cannabis and, and around hiring, is there any type of leader that you think make the biggest positive impact in such an emerging industry like cannabis? The Like a name of someone or? No, no, just, just the- like like – is there like what types of leaders like, uh, you know, flexible, like, you know, is there, is there anything that sticks out to you when you, you go to hire leaders that you're like, Hey, I look for this in my leaders because of the business that we're in. Uh, honesty, transparency, um, a good listener. I mean, like a really good listener. I mean, we just actually hired a chief commercial officer in June, I believe. And, um, you know, I had, a, I had a really, I had a really strong list of traits that I wanted um, out of a leader that came into this organization, but that I see in friends of mine that are leading cannabis companies around the country. And I feel like honesty, transparency, good listening skills, um, being empathetic to employees, understanding, uh, you know, there is obviously a power dynamic there, but that, you know, we we're all striving for one goal. And um, I think that, that really sets apart some of the other leaders that are maybe doing a great job in cannabis. Is there anything specific you think, like you're in Colorado, so it's been you know legal for so long, it might not even matter anymore, but is there anything specific that you like check to make sure somebody's going to be okay in the cannabis industry or is it, are we way beyond that in your opinion in hiring? I, I do think we're kind of beyond that. However, 
one of the one of the things that I've come across in hiring people that haven't come from cannabis is they really don't understand acumen of cannabis. They don't understand the pace at which cannabis moves and the type of other the type of operators that you're dealing with. I mean, again, we're we're working with people that came from the black market, that came from legacy. And so it's definitely a different type. Um, they have different values. They have different ideas of how businesses should be run. And so that can be jarring that for someone that comes from, you know, just kind of like a, a historic industry. Um, so that's why I do like people that have had experience in cannabis because they really understand, okay, I know how the industry operates <laughs> and it's really wonky and it can be so strange, but they get that. They get that culture. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What about any, uh, what are the biggest learning lessons you've had as it relates to hiring talent? That not everyone is good at hiring people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That you really have to actually dig into the, the why and the who I, when, when hiring our chief commercial officer, I read that book, who the a method for hiring. Have you read that? Yep, hundred percent. We okay, just yeah, went through it as a company, but I've read it years ago, and I've I've met Jeff Smart. Oh, you have. Yeah. So I that really resonated with me um, because I was always like, oh, let me ask these like stupid questions and silly questions, and if I get that feeling, then of course that's the right fit. Well, actually, that is wrong. And whenever I went with that <laughs> with tactic, I hired the wrong people. So so I actually became very intentional about you know, my hiring process. Um, it's, it's hard. It's not easy. But I feel like if your values align with someone, um, you can get there. 100%. 100%. You're, we're preaching the choir. I don't want to go down this path because people will think I'm, this is a commercial, but obviously that's exactly what we do is our uh, hiring process is super intentional around aligning people on purpose and values first and foremost before getting into competency. So I totally understand you. Well, we're kind of, we're coming up on what we consider our final segment. And the final, the final segment is based off of the leadership model that we use for Y Scouts. Um, we believe the best leaders on earth consistently show proof points in the following three areas, being a relentless learner, developing others and driving results. So that's what we use as our framework besides them aligning to the culture and besides them being able to uh, being able to them to achieve the success outcomes and, and key responsibilities. So I've got questions around learning relentlessly, developing others and driving results that I'd like to ask you. I'll just ask you one or two of each. Okay. Uh, the first one is, uh, who or what was your biggest teacher in life? I would say, well, I actually would say, um, patience, learning patience, learning patience, because I wasn't patient in my first business. And I think that's why, you know, I, I didn't become as successful as I had hoped. Um, but I think I mentioned earlier the patience that I needed to have to withstand and persevere within cannabis. And so I would say that's the biggest lesson I've learned. Awesome. And what was your biggest life learning today? A little bit different framing that question, but is there anything that has taught you uh, the biggest lesson? Oh, Max, these are like hard. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> they're, really, they're so deep. Oh, they are pretty deep. It's interesting to see, it was interesting to learn like kind of what comes around. I mean, you know, you think something's like that book's closed for the rest of your life. And it's interesting to see how um, people, places, things, lessons come around again. And then how you respond and react the second time you see them. Yeah. 
how you respond and react, I mean, is, uh, is, you know, critical. Uh, and, and then this, this one's around developing others who or what developed you the most in your life. My parents, for sure. I mean, they, they taught me values, strong values. Um, and they let me, they really let me explore and gave me the means and the space to become who I am today. I mean, they supported really every kind of harebrained idea I've ever had. And I believe that is why I am here. Oh, that's awesome. What did your, what did your parents do? If you don't mind me asking, I, I think, uh, you're pretty well educated and have a lot of motivation. I'm just curious as to how you grew up. Like what, what did your parents do for a living? So my dad was um, a director of finance for television stations. So he worked in the entertainment industry um, for most of my life. And we moved around a lot because he continued to get promoted and, and moved to different TV stations. So um, he was really focused there. And then my mom has really always been an entrepreneur at heart. Um, she's been in the meeting planning business um, for most of her career and started her own meeting planning, corporate meeting planning company about 15 years ago. And so, um, you know, has a really robust business, definitely has an entrepreneurial spirit. That's awesome. And driving results, what is your, uh, what would you say your biggest success is to date? And this could be personally or professionally. I won't limit you. Well, definitely um, my child. Like, I think that's that's great. She's wonderful. And I feel like she's turning out to be a, a lovely child. But I mean, also this business. I'm so proud of this business. I really am. I mean, I'm proud that I stuck to my guns and we're still here in a very tumultuous and chaotic industry. Um, so I'm proud of what we've done. And I'm, I'm excited to see where we go. But I'm just so proud that we've made it this far. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I had obviously the uh, privilege of, of connecting with you. I don't know, it was a couple months back. Yeah, you you uh, exude that. Um, you know, when, when that that you're so proud of what you built. So I am confident that uh, you'll continue. You guys will continue to do some pretty awesome things. Um, how do our listeners get a hold of you? Like, what it, Willows? Tell me your URL, and if you're on social, maybe tell me that as well, in case people are interested in in learning a little bit more about. You and your companies, especially people in the industry that may want to take a look at uh, your guys' products and services for them. Absolutely. So we have a great website. Just just got redone. It's beautiful and shiny and pretty and has a lot of good info. So that's willowindustries.com. And then, of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. I am active and I am responsive, You know, which I actually think is something to say, right? Because you can engage with someone on LinkedIn, but if you never hear back from them, it's like, well, why did you tell me to engage with you on LinkedIn? <laughs> hey, I appreciate you saying that. There's one that we had this conversation today. The only thing I dislike about LinkedIn is when people connect with me and they look like, you know, there might be some relevance and then they try to schedule me to sell me something like right Oh away. my God. Yes. That's not what this, you think I'm going to respond to that? Um, but no, I, I'm connected with Jill. She's awesome. Uh, I can't tell you how grateful I am. You're, this has been amazing. I could go on probably for hours talking to you. Uh, but I'm going to uh, just thank you for your time today. You've been listening to the Built on Purpose podcast with Max Hansen brought to you by Scouts. You can find all of our past and future podcasts at Wisecouts.com. Jill, again, thank you again for your time. You were wonderful. Thank you, Max. It was so great to chat with you. 
Thanks for listening to the Built on Purpose podcast, where on each episode, we interview exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, philosophers, and some straight up interesting people to explore their outlook on life, work, and leadership. You can hear any of our previous shows 24-7 wherever you get your podcasts. 